0: If you've ever seen any of the Ocean's Eleven movies, you'll know that the only thing stopping you from robbing one of Las Vegas' largest casinos are surveillance cameras, underground vaults, password-encrypted doors and safes, tenured knowledge of the in your workings of casino operations, a good getaway van, maybe the need for some TNT... Okay, so it's a lot of things, but if you've got the right team of people, or if you know George Clooney, you yourself could easily rob a Las Vegas casino. In 2007, a former NFL athlete thought he could do just that. Well, sort of. He came to Las Vegas not trying to rob the casinos themselves, but to rob someone he knew would be staying at the hotel of the casino, who was a dealer of sports memorabilia that had his face on it. The former NFL athlete did not fear the law, for he had escaped it already when he was acquitted of a crime he had committed years ago. It was the crime of murder, and the athlete was O.J. Simpson. You are listening to Race and Tyler Talk Wikipedia, Episode 72, Palace Station. This episode is part of a larger series in which we take a road trip up I-15. So our getting to know you question today is inspired by uh, I was recently watching Smallville and feeling inspired by shows like Smallville, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like the X-Files. There's a monster of the week. And in one of the in one of the weeks, um, the hero shows up and he's been cloned and there's a clone version of the hero. But the clone is evil. Yep. And you know there's going to be a shootout at the end, and you're standing near a waterfall, and you have to decide which of the the clones to kill, but you can't kill the bad one. So my question for you is, Race, if you saw a clone of me, and you had to shoot the other one in front of a waterfall, <laughs> what's the question that you would ask me to know which one was the clone and which one was the real me? Well, first of all, I love everything about this question. <laughs> <laughs> because um, my wife and I- Did you like The Waterfall? Of-
1: I did. My, la- my wife and I in the last month or year or so have watched, has, uh, we sat down and watched Alias. Oh, I <laughs> just started watching that. Oh, Alias, especially those first few seasons. Somebody, um, it's J.J. Abrams. So um, same with Lost and a few, many, many other now much more famous projects. People, I read an article somewhere that said J.J. Abrams really knows how to do a first season which I yeah. thought was a very smart take and is very true. The first season of Lost and the first season of Alias are both excellent. Yes. Um and this this is totally a plot point like throughout Alias where there's like cloning and you know lookalikes. And um I've also thought about this on this on the level of like if you know if Tyler goes missing and I'm in charge of tracking him down, or like he's being held captive, and I have talk to him on the phone, um how can I oh, tell yeah, you know that's sort of the same thing, like am I really talking to Tyler and or how can I tell if everything's okay? if Tyler's like, "Oh yeah, everything's fine, they're treating me really nice. Could I like you know could, could you how- it out exactly, yeah. or like on the other end, if I were being held captive, how would I communicate to my family like I
0: don't I don't yeah anyways I think about this stuff because I'm a weirdo but oh, that's a good one I feel like I would I would drop some kind of hint like oh yeah it's been great just been reading my favorite Thomas Pynchon novel over exactly. over and over again yeah everything's good <laughs> yep I I thought of the and you effect. would be like hold on <laughs> what
1: Thomas Pynchon. Um, Yeah, I've thought of that exact same thing. There's actually kind of a history of this with POWs. So like, especially during World War Two and Vietnam, when um, recording technology was available. So somebody's taken prisoner and then the the whoever's holding them is like, we're going to send a video to your government. And we're you are now going to tell them that you're being treated just fine and everything's great. And as a matter of fact, you actually think that maybe the Japanese are onto something, or maybe the, you know, the Germans are yeah. onto something, or the <laughs> Vietnamese or the Saudis, or whoever. And so there's kind of a history of that. And people got clever to communicate. There's one famous story of a man blinking his eyes in Morse code. Whoa. Um, and he spelled torture with his eyes. <gasps> And, oh yes. Um, so, so I, 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 like this question because of that. And it's both alias and like, if I were taken hostage and I was thinking the same thing, I'd probably say like, oh, I just love it. They're feeding me so many tomatoes, which everybody knows, everybody, <laughs> anyone who knows race knows that he just can't get enough to <laughs> Um, but to answer your question, the question, I have several questions I could ask you. I think we could play the fill in the blank. So... I could just, I could look both of you in all four eyes and say, for instance, Boca Dell, Monte, Monte, of course. And if (laughs) if whoever hesitated longest is getting shot off the waterfall. (laughs) Um, But I think maybe the best question I could ask and one that um, I've, this is a topic that I, that we intentionally don't discuss, but I would probably say, Tyler, where did the lowest point in our relationship take place. <laughs> I remember. I yeah. was going to ask
0: you the same thing. Are, you Are we both thinking about the parking garage? Oh, that parking garage. <laughs> I think of it all the time. <laughs> I really thought about the parking garage too. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that one up. <laughs> oh, I, I love, this is the first time I think either of us have
1: acknowledged that that happened in 12 years. You're and I'm right. And I,
0: I know that I have looked before. I've like talked to you before and have said, like, you know, the parking garage, and we just kind of look to the floor, like, oh yeah. <laughs> We're not <laughs> that's enough detail there.
1: It's like, yeah, it's like in a in a um, you know, like a, a pretentious drama where somebody looks out the window and is like, because of all the uh unpleasantness,
0: or like yeah. since <laughs> he hasn't
1: been the same since the incident.
0: Yeah. Huh? Um, and you are referring maybe...
1: to like World War Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe one day on the podcast we'll we'll have to discuss what that was. But yeah, I would I would do a fill in the blank. Um there's so many um you know fake Spanish words I could ask you about. Like, what do you do with an almoida? <laughs> I was gonna say almoida too. <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm man. glad we, were, we really here.
0: went to the same place here. Same yeah. wells.
1: Yeah. Al- Almoida being a poor translation of Amwada, which is pillow. Um <laughs> so yeah, so many, so many things like that. I feel like you of all of my many, many friends and acquaintances, it would be very easy to find um clone Tyler. I could I could suss that out pretty quick.
0: Those are good, good questions. So Okay, we can cut this section out. We don't have to discuss this, but I was gonna share my memory of the parking garage. Okay, let's let's get into it. I, which my I memory say, well... and I it's actually an important memory for me too, because I think about I think it changed a lot of the way that I think and behave in life. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's so large to say, but based on my remem- remembrance of what happened, we were driving to the office to give the car back to president baldwin in our mission and i was driving mm-hmm. and we went down into the parking garage and oh i'm
1: getting i'm getting sweaty i'm getting so sweaty oh, oh yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we were going to park in the spot and for some reason it was closed or something and the guy started yelling at me and he was like you can't park here you can't park here and I got so frustrated and I started yelling back and I was like where do you want us to go like what am I supposed to do (laughs) and you know classic uh (laughs) classic missionary behavior yelling is seen as like evil and so I felt so guilty about that afterwards (laughs) I was like I just yelled at this poor man but you know, whatever it was, the heat of the moment and everything. But I do realize now that I almost never take that approach when stuff comes up, and my approach now is like, "Oh, is it closed? Where am I supposed to go?" Yeah, you tell me what. You tell me. Happen. Like, what do you yeah. want me to do? Like, why <laughs> are you yelling at me? We don't need to yell, you know. <laughs> well, I don't know if that was what you had gotten out of the day, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> you get like, deeply, deeply touched my heart and changed i i had just felt so bad about yelling to the guy well that's funny because
1: that is very different from what i remember because in your version well that i remember all of those things happening but yeah yeah leaving out all of the things or the big thing that i did wrong
0: in that situation you really don't don't remember remember you doing anything wrong oh yeah yep mm-hmm yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is how I remember. I remember being like race thinks i am the worst person on the planet like, oh my gosh we clearly no. got into this altercation and he's just sitting here in the passenger seat
1: no i remember feeling bad because i was like look what i pushed tyler to do like I I created the situation that made Tyler like the calmest, chillest guy I know, lose his temper. Like this that was such a bad so this is how I remember it. And I I remember a few things very specifically. Well, I remember one thing that you yelled at the guy in Spanish.
0: Oh, what was that?
1: You yelled, qué paso hombre.
0: Did I really? Like,
1: what is going on, man? What do you (laughs) mean?
0: okay that's very funny i'm but glad you remember.
1: this that. is how i remember and i know that this is accurate be- mostly because well i just know that it is and I, i'm shocked that you don't remember so that parking garage was just it was very small and so there were and there was an entrance and an exit that were separate so it's not like you could um they were like on different they were separated by a wall if that makes sense and so oh, yeah You come in from the road. So you're driving down the road. You take a right into this parking garage. You go down, and then you loop through the parking garage. The the route is just shaped like a big C or a big U. You do a big circle.
0: If you exit, you're going out a different way than you came in, right? And you're
1: in the same place. And you're hitting a street where you cannot a one-way street where you can't come back in. Oh. So if you leave the parking garage without if you get to the end of all the spaces and haven't found a space, then You have to go out and around the block, take a right and a right and a right and a right to get back into the parking garage. So it's like a seven minute ordeal if you don't find a spot. So as I remember it, we had come in and right at the very front, there was some fancy pants parking or uh, disabled parking or something that we couldn't use. And so we kept going, like you said, the spot we usually used wasn't available and we got to the end and it was like great we have to leave and it seems like maybe we were late or something Uh, oh you know i I bet we were late yeah that sounds right and so i remember suggesting you don't remember this
0: oh maybe but only because you're piecing the details back for me so just that we go in reverse or something
1: no so in the center the center like island like the 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 Um, negative space of the U is just um, two um, there's only only two cars deep so like a car from one side a car from the other their their headlights come together and that's what's in the middle and there was a spot um, we couldn't park in either of those spots but there were Uh. no cars so there was a little route to get back to the entrance does that make sense we could do a shortcut so instead of leaving
0: oh yeah it was like like a little a little cut
1: through yeah, and we, okay. could, we could do the We could do the loop again. And we there was somebody behind us or something. And we were like, oh, somebody left. So there's a space back there. If we could, instead of getting out and going around the block, if we could just so I suggested, how about you pull into this space, as oh. if you were parking? Yeah, and okay. then pull through as if you were parking in that second one. And since we can't, then park back those on spaces, the other side. Yeah. then continue to pull through and you'll be back. And yeah um that proved to be impossible and you were driving this big old minivan and you got kind of wedged in there and it was (gasps) like you had to back and reverse and try and figure your way out and so this parking attendant comes over and is like first of all if you're trying to park here you can't you're not allowed to park here and what are you doing like you're gonna why are you through here and it was my idea to try and go through and it was so stressful and hectic and i think it's hilarious that
0: you don't remember any of my role in that (laughs) I really didn't that's so funny I was so embarrassed I'm very embarrassed right now I'm sweating bullets over (laughs) here and I feel so terrible that I yelled at that poor man who you know (laughs) I hope he's a listener on the podcast and can accept my apology yeah but it is funny because I, I really do mean that when I say that like I look back and I'm like oh I have changed a lot since then because I wouldn't have that approach now I would just yeah. say like, hey, I'm stuck. Oops.
1: Yeah, let's figure this out. <laughs> How well, do we get out
0: of here? <laughs> well, I think it's funny that we both have
1: been like, I was, that was clearly my low moment. Um,
0: and, and now what, 12 years later, it's all, it's all cleared up. The air has been cleared.
1: That's so funny. Yeah, I think about that all the time. And just like, I made this bonehead suggestion. And then like, everything goes wrong. And oh, but do you know what? <laughs> It just goes to show you the things that feel like the end of the world usually are not.
0: They really are not. Um, oh, yeah. that's a really really good story. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm going to give you my answer which you're going to laugh. Everyone who's listening is going to laugh, but I actually think this is a little bit lighter of a story. But my my question for Clone Race is where were you when you found out that Osama bin Laden had been killed? <laughs> <laughs> oh i know i know the seat i was
1: sitting in and i know the tone of voice the message was delivered to us in and the me- the tone of voice it was delivered to us in was um can only be described as the mission accomplished timber of voice <laughs> we got him baby <laughs> we, got him. <laughs> we got a very enthusiastic phone call uh this would have been 2010 and it was like You'll never guess what happened. We got Osama bin Laden. So I do. Oh, I remember that. We were in Boca del Monte in those little apartments. And, uh, uh, and I mean, admittedly, good, good day. Sure. Yeah. Great day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that announcement, that's another one of those things that I'll always, always remember. That was,
0: yeah, that was 12 years ago now. That's crazy. That is pretty wild. Uh, that, for anyone who's listening and doesn't understand why it's funny, the the funny thing about it, at least for me, was her tone of voice in delivering the message. The fact that she needed to call us at all to give us the news, (laughs) I thought was funny because, you know, as a missionary, you don't really talk about the news or politics or anything. And then on top of that, she then tasked us with conveying the message
1: tell everyone to everybody
0: else (laughs) call every american in the mission field and tell them what we did to osama (laughs) bin laden
1: (laughs) oh man um yeah that that was our mission president's wife and she was like i said good day so great but she was she was very very excited for us to, to spread the word that day oh man so funny
0: she uh I hope that anyone listening to this gets a chance to meet her someday because she is also the person who invented the word Almoida. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wonderful, wonderful
1: person. Yeah, to be sure. Um, I mean, the fact that she's bo- in both of our answers just uh-huh. goes to show. Yep. Oh, man. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so we're continuing on in our new series here um, in which we take a road trip of I-15. And in the last episode, we started off in San Diego. And today we're gonna continue on up north. Um, And when we get to one of our destinations along the way in this episode, we will be talking about a crazy incident. And I just have to say in advance here, I don't know. Maybe I'm exposing my ignorance, but race, if you had asked me a week ago, did OJ Simpson ever go to jail? I would have said, no, he didn't. <laughs> because the famous thing about OJ Simpson is he got acquitted. Right. And he, right. he wasn't, he wasn't found guilty of the murder, even though he did murder his wife. Um, and right. Little did I know that he did go to jail For a crime that he committed years later that wasn't even related. And we will talk about that crime today, which happened, as it were, along I-15. Yep. Um, But before we get to where it happened, so the first site that you'll get to driving up I-15, and you leave San Bernardino and Victorville and all that, is a very strange little exit on the side of the road, and it's called Zizix. Correct. Correct. So Zizix um, is spelled Z-Z-Y-Z-X.
1: I have seen this many times driving through. Like we've said, we've both spent a lot of time on the I-15. I I had somewhere in my back of my head the idea that this exit, this road, existed um, as... Do you remember that game where when you're driving, you try and... um do the whole alphabet did you play that game as a child in the car I was
0: just thinking that I think yeah. I had that in my head too yeah yeah
1: I think I had the idea that like this sign was put up as a joke for people driving through Nevada which <laughs> may god have mercy on your soul if you're doing that yes um, and especially with kids in the car and so you play the game of like okay let's play the alphabet game where you know you see a McDonald's sign oh there's an A okay now we got to find a B and you work your way through the alphabet And of course, Z, Y, X, Q are going to be really hard to find. Um, And so that's where Zizix came from. Um, However, that is not correct. And honestly, the story of Zizix is pretty crazy. Um, Mostly the story um, revolves around the founder of Zizix, a man named Curtis Howe Springer. But The long and short of it is, this could be a whole episode on its own, but um, Zizix was the name of a little resort community founded by this man, Curtis House Springer. Um, The idea of it being like this natural hot springs come and be healed. We're talking in the, um, you know, kind of mid-century where that sort of stuff is on the rise. Um, You know, mysticism and astrology and stuff is starting to take hold in the United States. And um, the, along with kind of the rise of like quack medicine. So, um, you know, y- y- you can think of the early days of quack medicine as like some guy in a wagon selling his little, you know, unguents and unctions and you know, liniments out of bottles that were really like mostly, you know, heroin or whatever <laughs> those crazy things were that you read about. Um and he was kind of the tail end of that. This man, he was born in 1896. He didn't die until the 80s. And so um, anyway, he, he wanted to set up this, um, this healing spa at the site of these natural and super, uh, you know, powerful, mystical hot springs that have a certain energy from the earth. Um, there were no hot springs there. He created fake hot springs using hot water heaters and pumps. <laughs> and he named the town the health spas at Zizix. He named it ZZYZX because it would be, quote, the last word in health, which is very corny um, (laughs) and really dumb. And um, he was called the King of Quacks. The American Medical Association actually like took him on because he was he had a radio show and he would like vocal vocally and actively sell things that were like. You know, basically just water with like rosemary infused in it, you know, just like herbs and was like, oh, this will cure polio. This will cure anything that ails you. And so he was actually kind of taken on by the system. But this old crazy guy started a place called Zizix. Now there's nothing really at the end. It was taken back by the government because he was like squatting on the land. Crazy, crazy story. But the road there still exists. It's still called Zizix Road. And if you're playing the alphabet game and you need three Zs for some reason, then that's exactly, um, it's a it's a godsend for anybody playing the alphabet game.
0: So if you continue on past Zizix, you'll eventually also reach the town of Barstow. And Barstow is unique in that it is the intersection of I-15 and I-40, which I-40 will take you all the way to the East Coast. And there's a cool little sign actually that you pass that says like, North Carolina, 3,000 miles away, or so oh, it's kind of wow. like tongue in cheek. Um, and then after that, you drive through the Mojave Desert. And God bless anybody who lives in this part of the country, because I really do think this is a godforsaken land. Yep. <laughs> it is a tough, tough place to go through. Um, but the Mojave Desert is, you know, one of our hottest places in the continent. You continue driving on through the Mojave Desert and you'll eventually get to Las Vegas. So I can give you
1: a quick history of Las Vegas, um, both as a, a place and kind of as an idea. Um, so if we want to start anciently, prehistory times, um, you know, Vegas is what it is. It's a big, flat kind of desert plain. Um, uh, in prehistory times, it, there was water, so it was a big marshland, actually. And it was inhabited by our friend the Camelops, which we've discussed now in multiple episodes. <laughs> um, also, as a side note, every time I um um come across Camelops, have you seen the old um, Learner and low musical Camelot from the seventies?
0: I have, and I'm imagining you singing the song. Yeah, <laughs> with Camelops. Camelops.
1: <laughs> Camelops. Oh man. Anyway, it was inhabited by a lot of ancient animals. It wouldn't look anything like it because it would have been marshy and swampy. There were plants, a lot of water. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, this was, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, but into more, slightly more modern times. Um, it has been inhabited by human beings for thousands of years. And contrary to my assertion and Tyler's assertion he just made and the one that I'm constantly <laughs> making, that Nevada, like central Arizona, where I live now, is... Uninhabitable unless you have AC. Like nobody lived here until, you know, the 1930s when we kind of were able to have some um, amenities to cool us down. Uh, but that's not true. The Paiute people, Native American people, w- have been there living in that valley for at least 10,000 years. And part of the w- way you can understand that, and also how like the Pima and, you know, the other Native peoples who are living in, you know, what is now Phoenix, Um, In Tucson and stuff where it's just so stupid hot. Um, The way one way we need to understand that is like things have changed a lot, definitely in 10,000 years, but even in Mm -hmm. 200 years. Um, So, for instance, both central Arizona and this um, the Las Vegas, you know, valley region, both of them used to have major rivers that flowed through. And so while it was just as hot and just as, you know, basically barren. Um, you know, in 1700 in Las Vegas, as it is now, there was a major river going through in a way that there isn't now. Um, same with kind of central Arizona, the um, the major rivers like the one that used to flow right through the heart of Phoenix um, is now basically not there because it's been dammed up um, in the lakes above um, above Phoenix Huar Lake, and all of that. And um, so mm-hmm. we've dammed a lot of rivers that have given us the ability to move the water other places and produce electricity. But, you know, Vegas had a major river flowing through its heart that is now Lake Mead um, because it was dammed by the Hoover Dam, which we'll get to in a minute. But um, so that would make life a little bit easier. But it is still, um, and Las Vegas in particular, what my mother affectionately calls the rock pile. And that really is all it is. It's just the rock pile. <laughs> um, I had two sisters that have lived there at different times, and that's what my mom would always say. We're going up to the rock pile. <laughs> um but if we fast forward to more modern times, that might be a little easier to, um, to imagine. So, um, and we'll, we'll kind of fast forward to the mission era of Catholicism and um, colonialism in the Western part of the United States, which Tyler touched on last episode, where very early on in the early 1700s, we have um, Catholic missions um, being made in throughout the Western United States. Um, and particularly two of the biggest places um, to the biggest kind of Catholic settlements were Santa Fe and then the Southern California, Los Angeles, uh, San Diego region, like we heard last time. So the route between um, Santa Fe, Northern New Mexico and Southern California was very important and was um, well used by, um, you know, colonists, uh, colonialists, those people who were there at the time. So it's called the Old Spanish Trail. There's kind of a few routes, but basically it goes from um, from Santa Fe through mostly southern Utah, sometimes a little bit of northern Arizona, um, cuts through Las Vegas, um, which, as it would, could, because there was a river there and some water, and then drops down basically along the route of I-15 um, into um, Southern California. And so that was, um, Santa Fe became a settlement there. There was, you know, there was water, and so people were passing through, and it got its name by... Um, at least it's Spanish name um, by some Spanish priests that were passing through and it was called Las Vegas and a vega in um, Spanish, that means meadow. And so, you know, at the time they passed through and said, oh, this is a place of, this is a a kind of a meadow river bottom place, which is not what we probably picture now, um, but that's where it's it's name comes from. Um, A little bit more modern times now, fast forwarding another couple hundred years, into kind of the old west era if you like um we get into mining tyler do you know Nevada's state nickname
0: mm. no
1: one of them it has multiple but the bit, it's most famous one i would say is the silver state uh, okay and um lots of silver mining there was some really big loads um silver and major mining going on there um that brought people through there was major settlements early on, a lot earlier than a lot of other um, European settlers um, of Mormons in Salt Lake. And they were expanding outward and finding other places to live. And so you got some of those people coming through um, and settling in Las Vegas as well. And so um, we start to get kind of a, it, it becomes a place There were stagecoach stops and whatnot. Um, And the mining, of course, brought in a lot of people. And so Las Vegas begins to become a city with, you know, where you could go and buy your supplies and um, especially if you're on your way to um, Southern California for the gold rush or whatever. Um, Fast forwarding a little bit more to 1910. This is a significant year for the Western United States. This is when several major railroads were connected. And so their lines, um, you know, all of a sudden became mutually serving. And the ability to travel through Western United States by, uh, um, by railroad really exploded because these lines all now were connected. It's like that moment in the board game Ticket to Ride when you finally place that piece <laughs> and you're like, hmm, there we go. Denver to Saal St. Marie or whatever. Um, speaking of board games from our last one of our previous episodes. Um, So that happened in 1910. The Salt Lake Railroad, the San Pedro Railroad, and the Los Angeles Railroad were connected in 1910. And so that makes the whole West zoomable. You can zoom wherever you need to. And Las Vegas in particular is all along that route really bolstered um, the growth of Las Las Vegas. Um, Shortly after the city's incorporation, which would have been around this time, um, the state of Nevada reluctantly became the last Western state to outlaw gambling. Hmm. let that sink in for a minute 1910 it is illegal to gamble in las las vegas um it occurred at midnight on october 1st 1910 when a strict anti-gambling law became the law of the land it even forbade the western custom of flipping a coin for the price of a drink um i don't quite know what that is i guess it's just sort of like a way to pass the time hey heads i win um heads you know i win and i buy you buy me a drink tails you win and i buy you a drink kind of a thing yeah and even that sort of simple wager um, was, would have been illegal in Las Vegas in the second or the late part of 1910 and moving onward. Um, but when does the gambling come back, you ask me? Well, in 1931, um, so another 20 years forward, as part of an effort to curb the Great Depression and all of the infrastructure that went on there, um, Hoover Dam was um, construction began on Hoover Dam in 1931. That influx of workers was huge. Las Vegas went from a town, a city of about 5,000 people. So that's about the size of Eager, Tyler, that you visited, Mm. uh, that can barely support two small grocery stores, you know, not a big place. 5,000 people to 25,000 in just a few months. So a really kind of unfathomable boom. Unless you've lived through something like that, it'd be pretty hard to to wrap your mind around that. Uh, It was mostly men coming to work on the dam. A lot of hard work, a lot of cement needs to be mixed, blah, 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 blah. Um, And one of the industries that popped up alongside this huge influx of men were dance halls and showgirl theaters. And gambling was re-legalized that year in 1931. Um, And seizing on this opportunity, which you you can see the pieces that all fall in together. You have a captive audience. People who are here working can't go anywhere. Um, there's nothing else to do in Vegas. Not only is it a small town with nothing, you know, no sort of entertainment industry built up inside of it. Um, there's just nothing for miles. You can't really go, you know, there's nothing to do. It's not like you're on, you know, you can go have fun at the beach as if you were in Los Angeles or if there's nearby cities, there's just not much to do. And so captive audience, nothing to do. Um, gambling has recently been made legal. It's mostly men, um, who seizes on this opportunity, but organized crime, (laughs) (laughs) the mob, um, as you will know, if you've seen the Godfather, um, trilogy rolls in and is like, okay, we are going to be the people to kind of start these businesses. We have experience with kind of the, the business of vice, whether that's prostitution or gambling in the East, you know, we've, we know how to set up a series of you know brothels or whatever and so we're going to come in and we are going to finance this we're going to build these huge casinos and we're going to draw people and so they'd use these organized crime skills put them to work in the west and that's how modern las vegas was born and now um anybody who's been to vegas can see um it's called the entertainment capital of the world the city of lights i mean it, it really is just kind of a spectacle to behold um the massive entertainment industry that exists there. And I kind of think of Vegas as like a place that is famous for being famous. Like you go to Vegas because it's Vegas. Like, why are you going to go to Vegas? Oh, because of all the things that, that Vegas is, there's not like any other reason to go <laughs> other than like, well, somebody built a butt ton of casinos and there's a bunch of stuff to do, but like, that's the, I don't know. It's kind of, um, you know, self-fulfilling in that sense that um, you don't go for a reason and then stay because of the casinos or the, the nightlife. It's like, no, they just built a city. That's a place to go to. And so um, that's where our sort of modern, um, modern Vegas comes from. It's more of an, honestly, an idea at this point, you could even say like, um, I've learned a little bit watching a lot of British TV recently that Vegas is a very famous and kind of iconic image of the United States outside of our borders Oh, when people think like... of the United States, they're like, oh, yeah, Las Vegas, because it's desert, which yeah, is okay. you know, something you're not going to see a lot of other places, particularly in um, you know, Europe. And um, it's just unlike anything else in the world. And it is a fun place to go if you want to go, you know, party and gamble and drink. And there's just a lot of fun things to do there naturally. Um, and so it's kind of a, it's interestingly a symbol of the United States in a way that I wasn't expecting. And I think maybe we'd be surprised to hear way people talk about it but um you know that's vegas baby from camelops to uh you know modern casinos with millions and millions and millions of dollars coming in you know on a nightly basis and um you know just streets full of these massive casinos
0: speaking of camelot i think that that city is probably the exact opposite of what las vegas is right oh excellent (laughs) point oh my gosh (laughs) you've been to vegas i've been to vegas i genuinely think that it is one of the worst places on earth. i'm not very fond of it at all my friend once told me the only reason to go to vegas is to see a cool shark aquarium which i think is a very funny answer
1: yeah like it's the bellagio water show is pretty cool but it is not worth The any of the hassle of vegas
0: and i my quip about las vegas is it's really cool if you want to see the space needle or the eiffel tower but like worse versions of (laughs) that yeah no uh no uh no hate to vegas i know people people do love it there but there are a lot of places that i would rather go (laughs) full agree Um, so fast forwarding a little bit to the 1990s, we're going to zoom in on a particular casino in Vegas called Palace Station. And this is a casino that is somewhat unusual for Vegas, not because of anything about the casino per se, except that it isn't located on the strip. And I always thought in vegas everything is on the strip but this is a a tall casino and hotel it sticks out from the ground around it because it's not surrounded by the rest of the skyline um it's a few few miles north of the strip near chinatown and the location is actually part of the business model of the casino it was built to target local people in las vegas rather than tourists and they, it's known as what is, I guess, a thing, which is called a locals casino. And they, um, they have different deals. Like they, I think they make money off of having like a cheap buffet and they do giveaways and bingo nights and things that locals would be interested in seeing. Um, have you ever seen Ocean's Eleven? You have, oh. right?
1: I have, and I love those movies.
0: We have to nod to Ocean's 11, Ocean's Eleven at this point, because I love those movies, too. They're excellent. And I was wondering, when I was researching for this uh, road trip, I'm like, oh, Vegas, like, I wonder if there's ever been any real heists, like in mm. Ocean's Eleven, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, And the answer to that is kind of (laughs) there have been. I don't know that there have been ones along the uh, same scope as Danny Ocean and his band of thieves. But the Palace Station Casino actually was robbed in the 1990s. In 1992, in a real life Vegas heist, and it was two burglars. They went up to the cashier's cage where you exchange your money. And they held guns, and they stole hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. And I guess the security wasn't very tight because they got away, and they were never caught. Wow. This hotel and this casino, unfortunately, has seen its turn of um, of unfortunate events. Because not only were they robbed in 1992, but then six years later, the 21st floor of the hotel caught fire because it was struck by lightning. And then nine years after that, it was home to another heist. But this time, the casino was not the one being targeted. The robbers who had come to the hotel were in search of something else that was not the money in the casino. And on September 13th, 2007, at 7.30 in the evening, there was a guy named Bruce Fromong, And he was a dealer of sports memorabilia and he was sitting in his hotel room. I guess he was about to go down to dinner because this is kind of early in the evening. And he's sitting in his hotel room, and he's surrounded by collections of sports memorabilia because that's what he deals. He has baseballs that are signed by Pete Rose. He has lithographs of Joe Montana. He has many things around him, including memorabilia of O.J. Simpson, the football player, and not convicted, murderer. (laughs) So a few minutes later, about a half a dozen men break into his hotel room and they're armed with guns. And the leader of the group, he tells the men to, to keep anybody from leaving the room. Everyone's staying inside. And he starts arguing with the guy, Bruce, about where all the memorabilia has come from. And Bruce is shocked when he sees... The face of the leader who is leading this group because the man leading this group is the same as the man on the bobblehead statues that he has in his <laughs> possession it's OJ Simpson himself <laughs> I, I can't help but picture like the you know Seinfeld
1: or Curb Your Enthusiasm version of this where the dealer would say hold on a second and he'd pick the bobblehead up and like hold it side by side <laughs> and be like wait a second
0: it's him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So O.J. Simpson is screaming at him saying, you stole my stuff. You stole my stuff. And there's, you know, an argument for a couple of minutes. The group ends up stealing everything in the room. So they take all the O.J. Simpson memorabilia and all of the other memorabilia and they leave. And the whole robbery is done within six minutes. No one is, you know, killed. It's not violent, et cetera. But they get in and they get out and they take everything. OJ was not arrested until three days later. I don't know why. I don't know if they didn't call the police until later. or I'm not really sure what the delay was there. Again, this is kind of early in the evening to just go into a hotel room with guns and commit armed robbery.
1: Yeah.
0: But, you know, regardless of the details, the events were actually audio taped by one of the guys in the group. And I guess unbeknownst to OJ, this guy was holding a tape recorder in his pocket the whole time. So the entire thing is on audio. You can listen to it on YouTube and you can hear (laughs) in the audio OJ accosting the guy and he keeps saying, you stole my stuff. You stole my stuff. And I think he's referring to the memorabilia that has his face on it because (laughs) never at any point in the trial does there emerge any kind of evidence that. The guy Bruce did actually steal from OJ. I think OJ here is maybe conflating the fact that this stuff has his likeness on it. And so that means that it's his, <laughs> even though that's not how stuff works. But I, I don't know. I can't speak for OJ. He was charged with 12 counts, um, all kinds of stuff, conspiracy to commit a crime to commit a kidnapping, conspiracy to commit robbery, burglary and possession of a deadly weapon. The list goes on and on and on and on. And he was found guilty of every single account. And he was sentenced to a maximum of 33 years in prison, starting in 2008. Um, But for good behavior, he was released on parole after only nine years, and he walked free in 2017. Hmm. Now that to me, I have to say is so offensive personally, because one of the worst miscarriages of justice that we've ever seen in the United States is OJ walking free for the murder of Nicole Brown Simpson. But (laughs) I guess they finally got him again when it came to to this casino robbery. So yeah, it's a little hard. eventually.
1: Yeah. It's a little hard not to think about how that sentencing and whatnot might have included some, you know, old feelings about oh (laughs) you're right
0: i didn't even think about that
1: yeah it'd be like well
0: (laughs) we're gonna give him everything we've got right yeah Yeah.
1: and i mean obviously like it was pretty clear that he had done all the things he committed robbery and falsely imprisoned those people and kept them in a room at gunpoint and so it's not like you know it wasn't a stretch to convict him of that but it was probably fairly easy for certain people to wrap their heads around that because like you said it's widely accepted that he you know got out of of any um punishment for a murder that most people agree he committed and so yeah i that would that would be an interesting case to prosecute like hey we have oj in handcuffs again
0: anybody want to <laughs> and everyone's like rubbing their hands together like oh yeah. let me see what i can think of yeah which i mean honestly isn't how it should work but at the same time it's like i get why that
1: is what you know <laughs>
0: yeah oh man well it's and she had a sad story and you know we could do a obviously a whole other episode on nicole brown simpson's murder mm. but it's it's good that he got some kind of justice I, <laughs> I don't know that it was that much justice honestly and he got out in 20, 2017 so whatever and yeah. he's like selling books like if, yeah. I, if i killed her this is how i did it yeah and he's making money off of that you know yeah. But here's the funny thing. I cannot stop giggling about this. So, OJ, at no point during this criminal trial did he ever deny that he had taken the stuff. I think he was always upfront about that. But he kept dismissing all these allegations in the press as nonsense and flippancy and like, what are you doing worrying about this? It's not a crime. So, he said, let me get this quote right. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> okay he said i'm oj simpson how am i gonna think that i'm gonna rob somebody and get away with it you've got to understand this ain't somebody going to steal somebody's drugs or something like that this is somebody going to get his private belongings back that's it that's not robbery and here's the kicker he says next besides i thought what happens in las vegas stays in (laughs) las vegas once again that is a seinfeld scene like that is not admissible in court (laughs) I know this is part of his testimony but you gotta love it and you know I think he's right what happens in Vegas (laughs) does stay in Vegas thanks for listening join us next time when we continue on up I-15 stopping to take a visit to Zion National Park We'll see you then.